Have a seat. Revelation chapter 4 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders would fall down and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they would lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created everything, and it's for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Amen? It's so good to worship the Lord, isn't it? I'm so glad you're here this morning at True North Church to worship together. Some of you, you're here every week. That is good. Some of you are visiting, and that is good. The best thing is, is that God's with us every Sunday. We pray for that. We ask that God's Spirit be here so we can worship and worship Him alone. I don't know if we've got um, a handheld mic that we can sort of move around with. Do we have one we can use, Dan? Great. Can you grab that real quick? Um, and I'm, I'm just real quick, for a word of testimony, this sort of out-of-the-box type thing here. But I don't know if there's anybody here this morning that says, hey, I've just got something i got to share. Uh, it's a praise. Uh, I want to give God the glory for something. Um, so if there's somebody here right now, a little better. Okay, while well, he's doing that. Uh, I'll, I'll give you opportunity right now for the Spirit just sort of stirring your heart because I've been chatting with a few people. And uh, the other night we were, um, you know, over a week ago when we were at the Backyard Bash, uh, some people saw some incredible things take place there. And they're like, man, I just want to share about this. And at our staff meeting, we're sitting around talking and sharing all the cool stories. It's like, man, somebody needs to share about that. And, um, and, and then talked with another person throughout the week. You know, it's like, hey, word of testimony, here it comes. Share it. So um, at this point in time, if it's like, uh, I just want to share something really neat that God's doing, a yay God, or maybe it's just a, hey, can you pray right now because some, some major, major things are going on. So uh, is anybody right now just right there? Great. We gotta, we'll take the mic from Greg and pass it down to Greg. That's awesome. Can you hand that down, please? Thank you. I'm the one that spoke to Rex this week, and I would like to share something. It's not... Uh, it's not a pat on my back, it's a, it's a testimony of God's unfailing love. And um, I had an uncle pass away recently. Um, it's an uncle that when I first asked Jesus into my heart that I was on fire to talk to and I was 19. Um, and he was the type of uncle that was um, kind of rugged, hard-hearted, didn't want to hear it. Um, 20 years later, I realized that I gave up on him, somebody that I loved. <laughs> and uh, my uncle, three years ago, had a massive heart attack and was life flighted to St. D's and miraculously made it through a surgery. And a year later, uh, during his treatment, they found out that he had cancer. And uh, he fought it for about a year. And like I said, just recently, um, God was speaking my heart to go talk to him again. And I had a chance to do that. The, uh, the first week that he was at home pretty sick and I waited <clears throat> and then a Tuesday they moved him to hospice in Sylvania and my mom um, was up there and she said hey we're going back up Thursday at 6 if you want to meet us up there I'm like okay um, but I had to work till 9 I'm like oh maybe I'll go Friday and my mom's like why don't you come up at, tonight at 6 since we're all going to be there I said okay so I went up there and I thought oh, I'll just be up there for an hour half hour or something and you know I'll God was laying on my heart to say something to him. And uh, 
my family was up there, all my family, my aunts, uncles, and cousins, and I was still pretty nervous. And uh, it wasn't until about 10 o'clock that night that I finally went up to him, and he had opened his eyes, and the nurse said that's the most uh, conscious he had been the last couple of days. And I just said to him that Jesus loves you, and he's waiting for you to call out his name, and he'll meet you right here. And I said, just call on Jesus. Um, finally, it came out of my out of my mouth, and uh, you know, I was I was happy to know that he. I know he heard me. Um, but the, the amazing thing is, my mom said the week before that, when he was at home, he was picking up the Bible and reading it, and I couldn't believe it. And I just knew that God was working in his, in his life, and uh, he didn't give up on him when I did. So I just challenge everybody for your loved ones, especially your loved ones, not to give up on them. That God will work in their lives. Anybody else? I knew Greg wanted to share that. I don't know if anybody else has a word of testimony, something awesome going on, maybe something we can pray for. Um, some of you know that I just recently changed jobs, and um, I could. God really just allowed me to know that that's where I was supposed to go. And um, as I, the first two weeks that I was working, um, one of the girls came up to me and said, um, I just have to tell you that you're a godsend, that you and Vicki, one of my coworkers that came with me to this new salon, um, that you're such a godsend coming here. She said, I felt like there was such negativity in this place before um, you came, but like I just feel like such a peace about you guys, and I feel like the salon has so much more peace. and and um, she also used the word like, I just feel excited to come to work now. It's like you guys have brought joy to the place. And inside I'm thinking, that's the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, when we kind of forget about that, um, that, you know, although we're not outwardly speaking about Christ, he, his Holy Spirit is still with us and um, still evident in our lives. And so I just feel humbled that God would use me just in my countenance and um, just my personality or whatever, but I just wanted to encourage all of you that even though it just seems like a day-to-day -day thing, you're going to work, um, just remember that God can use all things and His Holy Spirit is evident in you. Absolutely. Amen. So whether God is laying upon your heart to say something to somebody at work or a family member, or whether maybe He isn't asking you to say anything, but He's asking you to live it out, do it. Do it. You'll be amazed at what God's going to do as he works through you as his spirit is so powerful. And sometimes we don't fully understand that of what God wants to do. We just need to be obedient in whether we're supposed to say something or not say something, but do something. So be obedient to that. And really, that's almost my word of personal testimony for today, because as I was getting ready uh, to go to the computer yesterday to print out my sermon, and it's like, okay, I'm going to print it out and go over it a couple more times. I had this feeling that's like, God wanted me to preach on something else. It's like, really, God? It's Saturday. Um, you want me to preach on something different than what I've prepared for? And, and so I prayed about it. I was like, God, make it clear. Have you ever done that? It's like, hey, God, I just want to know, could you make it clear? Could you do something? You, know, you sort of throw out the fleece, you know, biblical terms. And, and uh, it's like, so make it dry and everything else wet and make it wet and everything else dry, you know? And that was sort of what took place in Old Testament. But, and so it's like, all right, God, uh, are you sure about this? I prayed about it about an hour later, uh, seeking clarity. I, I turn on radio. Now, I know we could be really high-tech here, and uh, I could probably have this hooked up for Dan to play, but um, I just had to pull out my pocket. So, but, 
So this is, I, I turn on the radio and I'm driving down the road. This is uh, the song that came on, um, hopefully. Well, maybe not. Okay, so anyway, there's an awesome song. <laughs> and uh, we'll click on it here. And let me, let me back up as I'm getting ready for this song. Um, as God was laying upon my heart earlier that morning, um, because I, one of the first things I did get up to have my coffee and, and pull out my Bible and my devotional, I started reading. And it was a couple verses that I was like, why? I, I just read this the other, something like this the other day, and it was sort of like God was bringing it back again. And this is what I felt he was like saying, maybe this is what you're supposed to preach on. And so this song um, comes on the radio. the song that was on the radio and it's like okay God so then I had the goal to say all right God so really is there another thing you want to show me to help me know that I'm supposed to preach on something else you ever done you ever done that before hey God can you show me at least five six seven times eight nine times I mean really I'm, I'm not quite sure about the time you ever wonder if God's got this huge invisible hammer over your head just saying don't ask again really you don't you do not want me to knock you with this one right so with that being said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the worship we've had already. Because God, even the songs that were chosen this morning, I did not know about. And they're exactly what I've been praying about. That's amazing. So God, thank you for bringing the hammer down and for waking me up. And I pray, Lord, that these words are yours, not mine. In the name I pray, amen. This past week, I sat down with a pastor. He serves as a chaplain for a local college football team. And uh, we talked about his ministry to that particular team. And I was sort of curious, so what do you do with the team? How do you minister to them? And what's going on? And tell me about your ministry to all these guys. And, and he shared, and as a chaplain, you know, you're there with these young men who are in an environment that is, I'm going to say, is very ungodly for most of the time. Okay, that's the way it is, college football. It's just not exactly a godly environment. Some of them are seeking to live for the king of kings, while others refuse adamantly to bow to the king of kings. For some young men, they are the kings. That's what they believe. Some are seeking uh, to find a way home. They're homesick. They've already been there maybe two weeks at college, and now, now the rest of the students are showing up, and they've been there on their own, practicing from 7 a.m. to maybe 10 o'clock at night, doing various things. They're tired. They're homesick. They want to go home. They're ready to quit, while there's others who are all in. So from all kinds of background, they come, 
and they carry luggage as tall as the flagpole of their school with a lot of burdens. These young people need God. So the biggest thing he does as a chaplain, he says, during practice is just pray. He shows up, stands on the sidelines, walks around, just prays, prays for the coaches, prays for the trainers and the managers, prays for the football players, prays for a fight that just broke out, prays for a celebration that just happened. Just praying, just praying. God, give me the right words if I have to say them. Just pray for these young men right now and these coaches. Following day, I woke up. And as usual, I grab my cup of coffee, I grab my Bible, grab a, a book that maybe I'm reading, and I spend my waking hours to be fed spiritually. I open up to Psalm chapter 6, read through Psalm chapter 6, incredible psalm. And then I go to the New Testament, and where I happened, I happened to be was Matthew chapter 14. Those are the key scriptures I studied that morning. And with a few uh, hours, I was off to the ministry center, show up at the ministry center, do a few things, head off to uh, a local college, uh, football practice. Now I'm standing on the sidelines doing what I've done for the last eight, nine years, observing and praying. Just as my friend, that other chaplain reminded me to be praying for all these things. And I usually do that when I show up at a practice, but for some reason there was a greater urgency to pray more. So this time, instead of going up to where all the players were and standing next to them, Hey, how you doing? How's practice going tonight? I just kept my distance this time. So I stood off the way and just prayed for the first five, ten minutes. Prayed for the players, prayed for the coaches, prayed for the trainer, prayed for the managers, and prayed. Prayed for the opportunity to share God's love and truth. So continue to pray. Practice comes to an end. At the end of practice, they all get to midfield, take a knee. Coach starts talking to everybody, wraps up practice with, hey, here's the instructions for tomorrow. Here's what's going on the rest of the day. Hey, here's uh, some, this is what I've seen in the team. Gives them some hope and some excitement. And then sort of wraps it up, and he, he looks over, and he sees me, and he welcomes me to practice, and he says, <laughs> quote, Rex, good to see you. You want to come up here and give a quick word as we end practice? Now, okay, first of all, quick is a tough word for a minister, okay? Brief, you know, yeah, right. And then the other thing was, if I wanted to. That's another no-brainer, okay? You're asking a pastor if... If you want to, you want to come talk to the guys for a little bit? Duh, yeah. The little bit's going to be the struggle for me, okay? But uh, I've been praying about it, and I've been praying about the right words in case Coach asked. He asked. I went up and shared. Coach called the team afterwards uh, after I spoke, and I kept it brief, okay, for the record. Okay, so miracles do happen, okay? Uh, they brought him into a big huddle, broke huddle, and boom, off they went to the various teams, Maybe special teams, quarterbacks, linebackers, defensive backs, they broke into the various with their coaches. Boom, they all scatter. Coach and I have a, a good chat together for a while. Uh, how are things going? They get done with their position coaches, and before they head to the locker room, there's a few that come over to coach. Hey, coach, this is going on this afternoon. You okay? My grandpa's in from out of town. Can I go to Bob Evans with him instead of eating lunch with the team? You know, that, those kind of things. Coach like, yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. You know, so they're doing all that. And then a young man from Florida, a freshman from Florida, comes walking by. It's, I had a shirt on that said FCA. He goes, FCA, I was a part of that when I was in, in high school. It's like, good, you need to be involved in it here. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find a church. I heard there's one on campus. Church Planet's an awesome church. You need to be there. Okay, I'll grab some of my buddies. So we have a little church talk about where he needs to be on Sunday mornings. So I'm praying that he's there this morning. Um, and then uh, he walks away, and then another uh, young player walks up to me says a few things. Last young man to speak with me introduced himself. 
had his helmet off, been sweating, you know, it's about 11 o'clock in the morning, they've had a two and a half hour practice, and um, as he's sweating, it's coming off, he starts to cry. I think football players aren't supposed to cry, especially at college, right? Unless they got hit really hard or something, right? So he starts to tear up a little bit and um, starts sharing with me, and I knew exactly who he was because I had received a text earlier in the week from a young man, and knew that it was him. He was tired. He's homesick. His girlfriend broke, with him, broke up with him right before he went to college. There he's at college, away from everything. It's all a new environment for him. And uh, he's also trying to live for God in a very godless culture. He felt very alone. One key word he kept jumping out from this young man was alone. I feel really alone. I'm alone with all that's going on with me at school, with this team, with my relationships. And so I, I, you know, I, I pause for a second. Here. Let me ask you this. I'm sure everyone in this room has felt that way, right? Alone. I want you to think about when that alone time's been. Maybe it was a relationship that ended, a breakup. Maybe it was a friendship. Maybe it's a family member that you had an argument with, and all of a sudden, psh, you're gone. You're alone. I know some of you right now, there, there's a loneliness from the death of a friend that you're experiencing. I know a lot of times when we make a lot of good choices, it sets us apart from other people who are making bad choices. We feel alone because we're trying to live for God and we feel like we're the only one in that maybe that environment of those people and we feel alone. And sometimes we make bad choices and because we're making so many bad choices, we've actually ended up being alone again. As you live, every day, you have that opportunity where you might be alone. Some of you more than others. Some of you are like, man, I never feel alone. Praise God, you're blessed, okay? Let me just say that. But it doesn't matter where you are in school, work, car, walking through a store at home, even with a group of people, anyone can feel alone. And, and, I, and I, so I, I listened to him. He shared. I kept listening. And here's what he said that really made me think, and I shared this on Friday in one of my devotional thoughts. And he said this, I'm talking to God, but he's not talking to me. So I'm sitting here, he's got these tears coming down, a young football player, I'm talking to God, but he's not talking to me. So what do you do when you have somebody that comes at you like that and they, they share that? Um, I think about that, loneliness is so tough. No one likes that feeling. But to make it worse, when you feel lonely, not just physically, okay, like, well, my girlfriend's not here anymore, I feel really lonely, or my boyfriend's not here anymore, I feel really lonely, or, or my, you know, I think of my mom, dad's passed away, I'm sure she has her lonely moments, okay, but I'm sitting there thinking, you know what's worse than physically being lonely? Spiritually being lonely. When you feel like God's not there either, like God's abandoned you, or I'm talking to God, but God's not talking to me. years ago, an interesting story circulated the, uh, the NFL tabloids and, uh, about the Chicago Bears quarterback, Jay Cutler. Now, supposedly a guy walked up to Jay Cutler in public and sort of started chatting with him, and, and he tried to start a conversation with this NFL quarterback, okay? So, you know, you think about, boy, what can I say? That guy's a famous guy. I don't want to talk. So he goes up to me, like, hey, um, I went to Vanderbilt too. We might know some of the same people. That was his opening line to this professional quarterback. Now, supposedly, okay, we don't know if this story is true or not, but it's circulated out there. Supposedly, Jay Cutler looked at this guy's like, I 
don't care. Walked away. Ouch, right? Now, listen, we can make a good guess that that story is probably not true, but for those of you who know who Jay Cutler is, you're probably saying, it's probably true, okay? However, we can relate to those times, can we? Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody, maybe they didn't say it that way, but you're looking at them, they're looking at you, and all you can see is, they don't care. I'm having a conversation with them, but they don't care. And I want to apologize right now. If you've ever had a conversation with me, and I did one of these, okay, and I pulled away, I'm sorry, I do care, okay? Sometimes it happens unintentionally where we walk away from something and it's like, oh boy, I probably had one of those moments I just gave you thinking I didn't care. I really do, I'm sorry. But maybe you've been on the receiving end where you're like, that person just does not care about anything I'm saying. Can I also make a guess that there are times when we felt like God didn't care, sort of like this young man? where he's like, God must really be at a distance because I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him, but he's not talking to me, so he, I guess he can't hear me. He's so distant right now, or maybe he just doesn't care about me right now. Young man on that practice with those words, when he said that, I thought about this. I said, do you think, you know, athletes feel like God don't care, doesn't care? And then I thought, I'm sure there are many adults that would say the same thing. And I believe that's why God kept coming back to me yesterday and saying, change the message because there's some people at True North that need to hear this message today, that God does care. Because this is the truth. God does care. Would you repeat, or actually say this along with me, that God cares for me. Let's say this together, God cares for me. God cares for me. Let's say it one more time. God cares for me. That is truth. Now, I'm not going to pull one of those Saturday Night Live skits where you stand in front of a mirror and you look and say, God cares for me, and I like myself. We're not going to do that, okay? And somebody's like, huh? Those of you who remember back in the day, you'll get that, okay? But anyway, I'm not going to have you stand in front of me and repeat that and make you feel good about yourself. I want you to know the truth. The truth is God cares for you. He really does. In spite of where you're at right now, how you're feeling, physically or spiritually alone, God cares for you. And the young man continued to share with me. And as he did, I said, God, to myself, God, speak to me. I'm going to keep listening to him. And I realized about that time, God's prompting say. That's why I had you read Psalm 6 this morning. Hey, um, you know what? This morning I was reading something in Psalm 6. Let me show you something. It's like God was just saying, I'm preparing you for something that's going to come later today. So I opened up to Psalm 6. And I was thinking about this. You know, when I realized that when you read God's Word in the morning, are you going to be able to use it some other time that day or, or maybe something else? Can I share something with you? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, he says this. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, be immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Listen to this next part that Paul says. For you know nothing that the Lord does in you is useless. Nothing that you do for the Lord is useless. You ever think about that? Lord, why am I doing this? God, why am I doing this? And God says, Ah, whatever you're doing for me, it will come back. What you're doing is not useless. There's purpose for it. So after listening more, we turn to Psalm 6. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 6. So you open up your Bibles, basically in the middle of the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible, we'll bring a Bible to you. Okay, just raise your hand. We'll get you a Bible. Psalm 6. 
As you're turning there, Psalm 6, it was, you know, there's, there's moments and times when we look at Scripture and we say, what was this written about? Why is this for? This was a song. Deliverance and trouble. God's able to rescue us. Those kind of thoughts come to it, right? David shares that he is physically and emotionally weak. He is in need of rescue. His sin with Bathsheba was so overwhelming. The lust, the adultery, the moving into lying, to murder, it was just a big downfall. And he was so broken when he finally came to his senses and said, I've sinned. You know, and, and he just it ripped him up physically and spiritually, but he sought forgiveness. Oh, Lord, don't rebuke me, verse 1, in your anger, or discipline me in your rage. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I'm weak. Heal me, Lord, for my body is in agony. I'm sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Verse 4. Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For in death, who remembers you? Who can praise you from the grave? Listen to verse 6. I am worn out from sobbing. Every night tears drench my bed. My pillow is wet from weeping. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. See, in his sin, he, he sought forgiveness, but yet in his forgiveness, he was still feeling lonely, and he's saying, God, this is how I'm feeling right now. I can't stop crying. I'm a wreck. My weeping is loud. Let's finish this off. Verse 8, go away, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my crying. Let's say it together. The Lord has heard my crying. And it goes on, verse 9, the Lord has heard my plea. Let's say that together. The Lord has heard my plea. And then the rest of that, the Lord will answer my prayer. Let's say that together. The Lord will answer my prayer. He's going through all this grief, all this agony, and then three strong, bold statements, starting in verse 8. The Lord's heard my crying. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayers. Such confidence. You know, David's sin, his enemies are aware of his pain. He's upset about his life. He's feeling alone. But he prays anyway. He concludes his thoughts and says, okay, all this is going on. I'm feeling horrible. I feel horrible. I'm alone. I'm alone. But the Lord has heard my cries. The Lord's heard my pleas. The Lord will answer my prayer. You can sort of sense in this psalm, that this song that he's singing, that it starts out a little, little drudgery and a little sadness and then a sort of a building, a crescendo of, yes, God is good. God cares about me. What an awesome psalm. Listen carefully. God does care. God does care. He cares about you. So I'm holding this phone with Psalm 6, reading this to this young man. Um, I'm going to ask Trent. Trent, can you come here, please? I'm going to ask you to step up here. Can you step up here? Yeah. This is sort of what he did, okay? So let's, let's pretend that you're me, okay? And I'm going to do what the football player did. So could you sort of hold your phone out and act like you're reading the Bible, Psalm 6 there? Right, okay? And this is what happens. He's like, I was like, dude, <laughs> getting close, okay? But he was like just leaning in and leaning in, and he had sort of a fro, and the fro was hitting my hair, and, and so thanks, you have to see. And, um, 
But I was like, he's hungry. He's so hungry. He just, he, it's like hurting and alone and you start reading God's word and he was like melting right there. And it was an incredible feeling. I'll have to work on my fro and we'll try that again sometime, okay? But as he's leaning in, I'm saying this, you know, I'm talking to him, I said, man, you know, I'm thinking about with David, he could have made mistakes in his life. I don't know what it was, what that was for him, okay? But for us, maybe we've made mistakes in our life or maybe we're doing great things and whatever it may be, for some reason, you might be feeling alone. God still cares. Maybe you're living for God and you feel alone because, man, I'm such surrounded by an ungodly environment. That was him. Guess what? God still cares. In your loneliness, cry out to God. He cares for you. So we got done with Psalm 6, and I said, let's go to Matthew 14. And under my breath, I'm saying, thank you, God. Okay? So let's go. Matthew 14. Let's turn there. New Testament, first book, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we have the story of, of when John the Baptist was murdered. We pick it up in verse 1. When Herod Antipas, Matthew chapter 14, when Herod Antipas heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist come back to life again. That's why he can do such miracles. For Herod was arrested, imprisoned John as a favor to his wife, Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. John kept telling Herod, it's illegal for you to marry her. Herod was, would have executed John, but he was afraid of a riot because of all the people believed that John was a prophet. Verse 6. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughters performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with an oath to give her anything she wanted. And at her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. The king was sorry, but because of his oath and because he didn't want to back down in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in prison. His head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. And John's disciples came for the body and buried it. Then they told Jesus what happened. Understand the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus, their cousins. They're close. One's preparing the way for the other. There's an incredible bond here. And he's murdered brutally. They go tell Jesus. What happens when Jesus hears about the death of his cousin, somebody he loved? Look at verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he went off by himself to a boat, in a boat to a remote area to be alone. He wanted to get away. You think about this. He's the son of God. But when he left heaven, a few things changed. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6, 7 says this. Though he was God, he didn't think equality of God is something to cling to. This is Jesus Christ. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave. He was born a human being, and when he appeared in human form. See, when Jesus left heaven, he gave up a lot of those divine privileges and became human human and sweat just like us, cried just like us, had emotions just like us. Jesus became man, experienced that pain and temptation and emotions. Hebrews 4.15 says this, for we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one, Jesus Christ, 
who's been tempted in every way and yet without sin. He has emotions like us. He faced temptation like us. Jesus heard bad news. It hurt. He wanted to be alone too. Yet in his attempt to get away to solitude, to mourn, the crowds discovered Jesus and they followed him. So what did Jesus do? Let's read. So in verse, verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 13, let's read it again. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he went out by himself in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and he followed by land from many villages. A vast crowd was there and he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. What did Jesus do? In his pain, in his loneliness, he had compassion on others and said, I want to be here for you. I want to touch the untouchable, love the unlovable, heal those that are sick. Spent time with them. Why? Because he cares. Because he's God and man. He cares. I read a story about a youth pastor. He went to Special Olympics, obviously, where um, handicapped children competed. Tremendous dedication and enthusiasm. And he was watching uh, one of the, uh, the races. It was a 220-yard dash. Contestants lined up the starting line at the signal. Starting runner could be seen. I mean, uh, the gun fires. Off they go. One boy by the name of Andrew quickly took the lead. And it was soon about 50 yards ahead of everybody else. Nobody close to him. As he approached the final turn, he looked back and he saw a friend of his trip and fall. So he stops. Andrew stops, looks at the finish line, looks back at his friend, turns around and runs back to his friend. Runs back, helps get off the ground, picks, pushes off the cinders and stuff that's on and brushes them off. And hand in hand, they finish the race together dead last. A lot of people at first were, you know, cheering, don't, no, no, finish. And then they saw what was happening. And then they cheered him as they finished coming into last place. Because, see, there are some things that are more important than winning. See, it's important to have a winning attitude, but we also must have a caring attitude. And a lot of times in life, we forget about caring because we're so thriving for winning. God cares about us. He wants us to be victorious, but he wants to pour his love upon us so we can also care for others. Jesus cared enough, loved enough to help others even when he was hurting. He was in that boat. He could have been alone and gone out and felt, you know, let's have some alone time with his heavenly father. But instead he turned back and brought the boat back and talked to people because he cared about them. Hosea chapter 14, verses 7, 18, 7 and 8 says this. My people will again live under my shade. They'll flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. Listen to this. They'll be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. O Israel, stay away from idols. This is God speaking. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I'm like a tree that is always green, and your fruit comes from me. What an incredible verse. And I want to find Hosea chapter 14, verse 7, 8. Just underline it. Look at it again. Let me read verse 8 again. O Israel, stay away from idols. I'm the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I'm like a tree that's always green, and your fruit comes from me. Let me ask you again. Feel alone? 
Been lonely lately? Wonder if God cares? You're not alone, and yes, he does care. You're not alone, and yes, he does care. He cares for you. So what do we do? What advice can I give as we wrap this up? Here's the first thing. First, pray for them. Let God do his work first. If there's anything I learned this week in that situation, that opportunity with that young man, pray first. Let God do his work. Let God bring the healing first. Let God speak to that person. Let God speak to you. Then let God work through you. Because here's what happened. When Jesus was, then got off the boat and healed all those people, you know what the next story is? He could have continued to mourn because he's hurting for his loss, right? Next thing you know, he's got 5,000 plus people sitting on the side of a mountain hungry. Oh, what are we going to do now? His disciples say, just send them home. He says, well, what do you guys got? You feed them. What are we going to feed them with? And then he took the bread and the fish and divided it up, and the disciples went out and dispersed and fed everybody. It's a great story because Jesus then says, hey, you know what? You're going to help me now reach those that are hurting, those that are hungry. And God says, I'm going to send you my spirit to help you do that. Now, Jesus could have fed him on his own if he wanted, but he invited us to do that. So you know what? Here's the deal. I want you to understand. Jesus, I believe, invites us to reach out to those that are lonely, those that are hurting, and say, you know what? I want you to help too. We pray first. We listen. And before we offer any advice, we just listen, then realize we're in a good place now for God to work through us. By the way, um, the way that somebody's feeling right now is real. One of those, hey, just snap out of it. Get over it. That's not good advice, okay? That's not good advice. As much as you want to say that to somebody, that's not good advice, okay? Pray for them. Pray for them. Ask God, what do I need to say or what do I need to not say to that person? And then when they're ready to listen, when you're ready to listen, check out 1 Peter 5, 7. We'll close on this verse. 1 Peter 5, 7. If you want, you can turn there. It's toward the back of your Bible, right before Revelation. A few other small books. 1 Peter 5, 7. This is a really cool verse. This is a great verse. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. You maybe heard another translation, cast all your anxieties upon him, for he careth for you. It's another translation. Um, bottom line is, God cares for you. So the same thing we read in Hosea, and the same thing we read from David in Psalms, God cares for you. And in 1 Peter 5, 7, there's a Greek word there. It's a compound word here. Uh, and the, the compound word means uh, to be upon or on top of something. And the second part of that word means to throw or cast. A lot, a lot of times it means like a violent throw, like you're just sort of whipping it over, okay? So the word to cast your cares or to give all your worries, that Greek phrase means like to take like a saddlebag and like you're just going to unload it on top of a horse. You're just going to unload it and you're just going to whip it and get rid of it and put it on the back of something else. This word is only used twice in the New Testament. Let me read to you where the other word is used. It's in Luke 19.35, where the Bible says, And they brought him to Jesus, the donkey, and they cast their garments upon the colt. And they set Jesus there on. Now, you need to understand, there's a picture being given here when Peter said to cast, to carry. 
He's saying, remember when we, when we, when we took those garments, we put it on that donkey, we placed it upon it to carry so Jesus could ride upon it? That's what we're supposed to do with our worries, with our loneliness, with our, our cares. We're supposed to take all those, whatever we're dealing with, cast it onto Jesus because he cares for you. He's like, I can handle this. Bring it. Bring it. What are you dealing with? Why are you feeling the way you're feeling today? Unload it. It's like Jesus is almost calling out and saying to you, listen, listen, your shoulders are not big enough to carry what you're carrying right now. You cannot carry those burdens by yourself. You can't do it alone. The load you're carrying right now is eventually going to break you down. So do me a favor. Please let me be the beast of your burden. Take that load. Heave it with all your might. Throw it upon your sh my shoulders. Cast it upon me because I care for you and I'll carry it. I want you to just think about right now. How are you doing if you were to read those words right now and Jesus is saying, I'm talking to you. Are you ready to cast those upon him? Do not let the devil tell you that your problems are too stupid, too small, or too insignificant to bring to Jesus. That's a lie. The Lord is interested in everything that concerns you. He cares about everything you care about. So take those cares, cast them upon Jesus, let him carry them for you. God cares about you. You don't have to carry the whole way of the world by yourself. Jesus loves you so much. You're wondering if God cares, he does. If you have a friend, a coworker, brother, sister, family member who needs to hear this, share this truth with them. Pray it first, pray for them first, listen, and then share when they're ready. Share when they're ready. But you gotta be in God's word and pray. Would you please stand? There's such good news this morning. In the midst of whatever burdens you have right now, in the midst of whatever feelings you're going on right now, there is such good news because here's the good news. God cares for us. God loves us. Make sure you hear that from him too. Not just me up front. You've heard it in scripture today. That's incredibly good news. You get to leave this place with the incredible news that, you know what, God does care about me. He cares about my friends. He cares about all these people. But here's the other thing, though. If you're still struggling with a lot of stuff, then it's time for you to cast off all the stuff that's weighing you down and anchoring you down. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome and mighty God you are. I thank you, God, for this, this morning which we can come and worship you. Just as the elders... The creatures in heaven, the angels, they gathered in the throne room to worship you, to praise you. Lord, we want to do the same thing. Sometimes it's hard, though, because we've got things weighing us down. Our worries, our cares, our loneliness. And it's keeping us from doing the things we need to do or discovering who you are. And so, Lord, this morning, we want to cast that off. We're going to take it off our shoulders right now. We're going to take it off our backs right now. And we're just going to take it. We're just going to fling it upon you because you've commanded us to. It wasn't a suggestion. It's not a good thought. It was command. Get rid of it. Cast it off. We throw those upon you. 
because you're a God that loves us and you care about us and you're strong enough to take care of us. So God, thank you for doing that. We give those to you this morning. Release us, Lord, of anguish and anxiety. Comfort us in our sorrow and our loneliness. Lord, if this is a message this morning, we're like, I'm doing good and awesome. God, give us your spirit now to go out and love on somebody that's not dealing so well with these things. Give us the, the strength and the excitement to say, man, God, you're awesome because you're caring about me. And that, I just need to hear that today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. God, we're going to sing to you now because we love you. And we want to express that. So we sing to you.